How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the NHL playoffs on the third line plug, Sensecast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, newlywed himself, Tim Jancy. Tim, how's it going, sir? It's going really good. Uh, got back to Calgary yesterday and just basically slept the whole time since. <laughs> yeah, just because it's been, as you said, uh, pretty busy the whole way, I think, uh, since... Last week, I was averaging five or fewer hours of sleep each night. So that was definitely going to catch up, but it was a ton of fun. And uh, for our regular listeners who follow us on Twitter, uh, I did see you put up a photo of two very dapper looking plugs from the wedding reception. Yeah, and honestly, it was a great reception. You know, first of all, I personally want to thank everybody for coming out to your wedding this past weekend in Victoria. And of course, the Ocean View or Ocean Point Hotel, sorry, for putting on the banquet and everything for you and Chelsea, as well as the St. Andrews Cathedral. Did a great job. And F- Father Dino, he was such a He's great, great. Guy. Well, it was so funny. So uh, Catholic weddings have a homily, right? Mm-hmm. And Father Dino opens up with just, and now this is the part where we say amen. And I'm just like stifling my laughter. And nobody else except for Chelsea got it because it was like nobody went to church yeah and he's, he just falls out I was like yeah you guys don't go to church <laughs> he was pretty funny that's what I remember Father Dino oh Father Dino was great yeah he um, was also great Tim Ooh, the Ottawa boys the Ottawa boys oh god yeah they turned up so hard I know you know what like you had told me about these guys but I was not prepared I was not prepared for the Ottawa boys, especially Anthony. I was not prepared for them. No. Well, did I give you guys a, like, so I picked up, Tay drove me down to the airport on Thursday so I could pick up uh, one of my Calgary buddies, John. And then we uh, did some errands and Moscow. went to Colorado. <laughs> and then eventually went and met up with the Ottawa boys. Did I say anything about what level they were at in the car? I don't believe so. I think he had said that they were in Vancouver for a couple of days. Did I not mention they were drinking the whole time? Okay, I forgot that detail. That probably would have set set the bar where you needed it to be. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's funny. Like, I got there, and I didn't know what to expect. I was like, okay, you know, Tim's friends from Ottawa, whatever. And then they show up, and we're just like, okay, this is it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and then uh i have to run off to fix up something yeah because uh chelsea's mom had uh checked over some translations and then i just went and reformatted uh translations on our uh, missile program for the actual wedding ceremony so that i left john unfortunately i left you guys i had to bail yeah that you did. And of course, me being the one lone islander out of the group, I was the one that led the charge of where we're going next. <laughs> oh, no, that was too good, too good. But then, like, other funny things that happened were uh, one of the photos that I wanted to take with the photographer was a recreation of a scene from a cult, terrible cult film, The Room, where they're throwing around a football on their wedding day. And it's just so awkward looking. So, uh, my buddy Hayden, who's again from Calgary, he looks at me, he's like, okay, Tim, where's the football? I'm like, crap, I forgot the football. Say it's like, no problem. He just runs off. And we're like, he's not going to find a football. Why? And people are like, why did you send him off? And then 
15 minutes later, he comes back with a football in his hand. And we're all like, where did you, how did you find that? He's telling us like, yeah, so I asked someone where the sporting goods store was. And they said, oh yeah, there's a sport check in the mall. So I go into the mall. I'm like, I'm not finding that in a reasonable amount of time. So he starts running back and he finds the Salvation Army through one of the alleyways he was cutting through. And uh, he just goes in and asks guys like, hey, uh, do you guys have like sporting goods? And the guy's like, yeah, it's just over in that corner there. And Hayden looks over and the football is sitting on top of random stuff. So Hayden like picks it up. It's kind of flat, but whatever. And just runs back. We're like, oh my God. And uh, so we brought the football back to Calgary and uh, we put it in the ch- our check bag. And due to the pressure differential between the football and the check, the ball reflated. I saw that, and we were all just like, praise him, praise him. Well, it's so good. So uh, we're going to get the football side by the bridal party. So uh, next time on the island, I'll bring it. Yeah, well, I mean, I'll be in Calgary before you guys are on the island, I imagine. That's fair, that's fair. I'll definitely have to come by the house and do it. But, you know, it was such a great reception, and to have everybody, especially your friends and family, Chelsea's friends and family, come out for the event, especially because Chelsea had some family in from Japan, it was a great time and I will admit I've never seen you that stressed. So I was just trying my best to not piss you off or set you off because I was just like, okay, you know what? I get it. Tim's under a lot of stress. Don't, uh, don't ruffle his feathers. Well, honestly, it was all external stuff. Like, uh, so unfortunately the company that the, Delta contracted with to do AV work really dropped the ball to the point where Gloria and I were doing the AV work. And then at the DJ, I don't know how he managed to do this, but he accidentally rickrolled the cake cutting. Yeah. And I think that was the moment where it was just like... I thought you were going to full on snap. I think I thought that was going to be the breaking point. Because you came to us and you're like, guys... I'm serious. Which one of you did this? You were accusing us of doing it. And we're looking at you going like, what are you talking about? Like, we didn't do this, Tim. Like, well, it was like, I wouldn't put it past like Martin. Yeah, but I think with, (gasps) I think with your boys, I don't think they would have gone that far to piss you off. But yeah, so like, I think actually it was really funny because like there was another AV issue that uh, Encore caused where the music like music from the bar upstairs was cutting into our reception space because the idiot screwed up the way they uh, did the sound in the room. Mm-hmm. So uh, during every speech, music would just come on and come off. And I thought it was like the way that we had the switch hooked up to the speaker for karaoke. So I unplugged it in the middle of Chelsea's mom's speech. And then the music came back on. I was just like, for fuck's sake. And Chelsea's okay. mom looked at me as like, Tim, language, right? So, like, Tim was already on the edge. Well, that sounds one way of putting it, I guess. I do want to comment two things about the reception. Number one, what a savage har- 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 uh, speech by Chelsea's mother. Yes. Harumi, thank you. <laughs> Harumi, oh my god, I was not prepared for the roast of Chelsea Hart. And I was, I was actually surprised how gentle, like, my dad's speech was in comparison. Yeah. Like Chelsea and I still don't know what adolescence was more like menopause, man. We have no idea that meant. Oh, so good. 
It's so good. Between that and when, you know, at the end of the dinner and everything, and the at the at, during the reception when they're doing the dances, when there was "Don't Start the Fire" by Billy Joel, and all, and we're sitting there like, I wonder where Tim is. That's weird. You came up from behind us, and all you hear is, "Oh my God, they're playing my jam!" <laughs> you just bolted through all of us, and you're just like, "Yes." There was a few songs where that stuff like that was happening. Like they started playing Michael Jackson. I'm like, "Where's Chelsea's mom? This is her jam." And I she know. came up, and it was just like that was the moment when we lit up the dance floor. Okay, can, can, sorry. Can I extend it, an apology to Harumi because I butchered her name when she was on the dance floor? What Harumi? Harumi, yeah, because we're going Harumi, Harumi. Yeah, that's how you say it, Harumi. Okay, because Chelsea was later saying that we were butchering oh, it. Oh, we were. Oops. It's hard to chant. Yeah, Harumi, Harumi. Yeah, doesn't doesn't sound good, but it was a good time. No, that was it was good. It was good. Like that's the thing, is like if those two things are the worst thing to happen at a wedding reception, and there was like no issues whatsoever at the church, I got off pretty easy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny. It's like like I was talking to my mom about this, and one of her coworkers is stressing about her wedding, and she says, She says, Amy, I've been married twice. You're stressing yourself over nothing. What is your guest gonna remember at the end? The color of the bridesmaid's dress, or that you had pulled pork and had a good time. Like and I said that to my mom, and I was like, "Yeah, like what am I going to remember of Tim's wedding? That Chelsea's mother's an absolute savage, and Tim was absolutely jamming to Don't Stop the Fire." Yeah, and Tim Tim got rickrolled. Tim got rickrolled. Like that. That's one that people, if they heard it, they'll remember. Yeah, because it's just they're doing this nice thing. Do, 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 do. Like the worst thing is I heard the drum drop and I was like, really? Yeah. Is it one of those things though that you can look back and you can at least laugh? I think I can laugh about it now, but like I in the moment I was pissed. Oh my god. I like I said, I've never seen you like that. And I was just like, dude, why would any of us do this? Like, and I said to you, I was like, what was the worst thing we would have done? The worst thing I would have done is send a glass of the glass of milk. To your room at five o'clock in the morning. But other than that, yeah, no. no. Well, actually, I do have to preface this because, like, my buddy Adam was telling me that th- he was at a wedding like ten years ago, where that happened, like the same Rick roll during the cake cutting happened, and that he told me that story five minutes before we cut the cake. So you thought I was like staring daggers at you. I was actually like looking past you to Adam, and I was like, "I didn't do it! I didn't do it! I didn't do it!" I thought you were looking at us between me and the Ottawa boys, and we're just like laughing, like, "Ah, that's hilarious!" Just like the and Chelsea didn't even hear it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just like, "God damn it!" Uh, but honestly, like I said, it, it was a great time, and you you were looking dapper. Chelsea was looking beautiful in their dressed. Oh, the sliders were so damn good. Holy. I didn't have them. I didn't have them. Just because, remember when we went to Bin for the night before? Right. And you were just like, you know what? No burgers for me. Yeah. I was just. Did you have the chicken wings, though? I had maybe one. My, I don't know what it was. I don't know what was in that burger, but my stomach was just bugging me for like two days. A, a bun- that happened to a bunch of us. So we just called, I called Bin for and 
the next like on Sunday and just let them know what happened and hopefully they figured out what was wrong with the food. Yeah. Because, yeah, I, my stomach was off on Friday night. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it might be just how Binfor does their burgers. Because, honestly, I've been there a couple of times and my stomach's always killed me. Oh, okay. So, I don't, like, when I heard that ever, people, other people, like, your dad was really sick. I've heard some other people at your wedding wasn't feeling too hot. Well, yeah, John, John wasn't feeling too good. I wasn't feeling great. Chelsea was fine. So, that's what matters. That's all that matters, Tim. Yep. All so, right. You know, like I said, I mean, it was a great time. Had my all, and it was a great day. I'm super glad to be there. So, it an, an unforgettable luncheon. It really was, and you got to my dad's <laughs> place despite the directions. <laughs> oh God, we had a so uh, we had to take a flat Chelsea's bouquet to the uh, florists. Sorry, to a preservationist out in Souk, and that was a real moment of when we found the plate disp- place despite your instructions. Sorry, despite your directions, because they had re they're reworking Highway 14 out to Souk. Oh my god. And like around her place, like they completely reworked it. And then there's like a five different streets that all have the same name. It's just different numbers off of this pro- like different private driveways. And it like uh took Chelsea's dad and I like 20 minutes just to get from like highway 14 to her house. And then like two minutes to get back to the highway. Just- <laughs> I'm sorry, would you like to share the story about what happened to Chelsea's mom and dad's place when you were driving the van? Uh, can you share that story? I'm not going to. It's probably for the best, Tim. For the it's best. For the best. Now, we're going to move away from talking about the wedding and all that good stuff. Because, like I said, today's episode is the first round recap of the 2023 Stanley Cup playoffs. Now, before we get into our overall thoughts on this playoff series as overall plus the individual series we've got a couple of news stories we need to talk about since the last time we recorded now the big story coming out of the tropical metropolis of calgary alberta is the city of calgary reached an agreement to build a new event center and arena in the east end of downtown calgary now given that you are a taxpayer in the city of calgary and you are a full-time residence there what's your thoughts on the calgary flames finally getting their new arena uh they needed one uh, that's about all I can really say without uh, probably saying things that probably can't be said, that I can't really say. That's fair. so I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with the space, and uh, hopefully we'll start seeing concerts coming back to Calgary once the new arena is built. That's fair because I recall, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, because wasn't the last proposal they had like they were going to build a new stadium for the stampeders as well as well as a new something like that i don't know it's been so long yeah now i do want to ask about the east end of calgary because you live in the northwest yep this is the east end of calgary like what kind of area is that part of Calgary? well you've been there before so it's gonna it's going up uh i believe it's going up on the stampede grounds oh is it okay yeah i'm pretty sure it's still going up on the stampede grounds okay but yeah, so the east, downtown East End is, it's a decent spot. Okay. Is it relatively, well, no, I guess the Stampede, or um, Saddle Dome is on the Stampede Grounds, yep. correct? Yeah, the cost is split three ways. CSE owns Flames and and the, St- the Stampede, which owns some of the Victoria land up for development, joins the deal through land trades. Okay. Yeah. Most, cool. eight, arena costs eight eight hundred million. The rest goes to public space infrastructure community rank 
So I wonder how they're going to do this. Like, would they build, like, like, will they keep the Saddle Dome up until the new arena is built and tear down the Saddle Dome? Uh, the dome will be demolished. Yeah. So what will probably then happen is... Okay. So they'll probably... Oh, and they're going to build a new Green Line station close there. Okay, yeah. So they're rolling in some of the Green Line developments and all that fun stuff. So the uh, the new arena will be about a block closer to downtown. So uh, that east end, it's it is like a pretty nice, like it's a nice enough area. So it's known as Victoria Park. The big issue, like quote unquote, is uh, that the Alpha House is near there as well. And for a while at Shumir, that was the only safe injection site. So you had all these nice new condos going up. And the thing about the Alpha House is it's the, I believe it's the only shelter in Can, sorry, in Calgary that takes, uh, takes everyone, no question. So you get, unfortunately, you get all the characters kind of congregating around there because uh, other homeless people that can be housed that are like, they're clean, those sort of things, sorry, clean of drugs or not violent, they can go to other shelters. So the homeless that end up at Alpha are definitely in the, the more troubled people. So you have this, that's kind of the the vibe that you get around that space. But moving the arena a bit closer to downtown, you might see less of that. Okay, could there be an effort to maybe clean it up a little bit with the new arena? Or are they, are... they That's already kind of happening. Okay. So you're definitely seeing the gentrification of that space as well, but I don't see Alpha moving. There's probably just going to be more policing down there when... Yeah, so that's been a big effort in Calgary over, especially the last year and really the last month. So I like taking transit. I still do, but I've been increasingly unhappy with it because uh, it smells like crack smoke. Let's be real. So due to a lack of leasing and uh, what happens is you just get homeless people. They come on the train, then they just light up their crack pipes. They fight, they shit. Like, just not a great place to be. Kind of like the subways in New York. Yeah, or subway in Toronto, that sort of thing. So it's just annoying. So with in- hopefully with increased policing, the homeless on the subway either behave themselves better or be directed to services that might be able to help them. So we do got a couple of Ottawa Senator stories we need to talk about since we last recorded. Now, a big story that came out yesterday... Former Sense defenseman Mark Borbieski announced his retirement. Yeah, and it's it's a little sad because Boro is one of those feel-good stories where you had this guy who grew up in Ottawa, nicest guy on the planet, apparently, gets into the NHL and kind of evolves from a fu- like a face puncher to kind of the heart of the team he was on. And I really hope that Mark Borbieski can come back to uh, Ottawa in kind of a community outreach role or in some sort of role of the team going forward because he's just seems like such a good, honest guy. Yeah. And we'll, especially with the effort that, excuse me, the Ottawa senators have been doing in the last year. So since the passing Mm -hmm. of Eugene Melnick, where they're incorporating more of their alumni, I definitely could see Mark Borbieski because he was always a big ally for LGBT rights and social issues like that. So it would be great to see him come back. 
Now, the big story that came out of this, now we've talked over the last while about the Remington Group and Ryan Reynolds potentially buying the Ottawa Senators. One potential ownership group out there is Nico Sparks. Now, Nico Sparks, he is a, I, correct me if I'm wrong here, Tim, I think he's a big music producer or something in Hollywood. Yeah. Very, very high up. Like, worth so much money, it's not even funny. Out of nowhere... There is somebody who has partnered with him in the last couple of days, and it happens to be a former cover athlete of ours. Snoop D.O. Double Jizzle. Snoop Dogg. That's a... It's kind of out there, but it's like... It, it actually adds quite a bit of legitimacy, I think, to that Nico Sparks bit. Because, as we've talked about before, Snoop actually gives a shit about hockey. Which wasn't clear from the Nico Sparks bit at first. Yeah, it just kind of seems like he just wants to own a sports team. Yeah, so adding in Snoop, who has shown and hasn't like really been part of the NA, like NHL through uh, different broadcasts, different performances, or even just wearing a said sweater. Yep. Well, I mean, remember during the 2007 finals, there's that infamous photo of him with the late Ray Emery. Yeah. And anytime he's come to Ottawa, he's always worn the Senge jerseys and stuff. I want to say, no, I do understand, like, he was on one of those ESPN talking head shows a couple of days ago yeah. talking about this ownership group. And he made a really good, interesting comment. He talked about how one of the reasons he wants to get involved is because he wants to show that kids that look like him can get into playing hockey. I mean, he was a big component with the youth football league in the states i know like i believe netflix yep. or somebody did a whole uh, netflix series on that he's been very involved with that but he's also such an avid sports guy he was a big he's big into, into the usc football when the raiders were in california Oakland. he was a big in there obviously with hockey with the kings and he was a bandwagon of the ducks and during their cup run in 2007 so it would be great but i also think and i didn't really think anything of this at the time until it got brought up is that with if say Nico Sparks and Snoop become the owners, they would be the first, I think, minority owner yeah, minority owners in the NHL. That'd be cool. So it's like, and it's also good to see that there's competition between bids because that just shows that there's this very strong, like multiple people think that hockey in Ottawa can work. Yeah. And I think this season has demonstrated that hockey in ottawa does work yeah and the fan base is there and i think mm -hmm. that's always been the big sticking point for me is that i always hated when people say oh ottawa doesn't have a fan base ottawa's this ottawa's that it's like we were one of the best attendants for years despite the fact that we don't have a downtown arena and it's yeah. like i was saying to somebody who i work i i don't directly work with this gentleman he's a leafs fan from toronto and i was telling him i was like imagine this is how i described the canadian tire center imagine if you have the toronto maple leafs instead of having that downtown arena you build the arena in say scarborough even worse ajax like even freaking further than scarborough right yeah, like really don't have it in the city, have it outside into the birds. And then the transit to it is terrible. Like, I think I would be happy with either group. I would just be a, a little worried that 
the if Snoop was to buy the team, the people doing sell the marketing or like in game entertainment might lean a bit too much into the Snoop Weed brand. And I'd like to keep that sort of stuff away from the senators. But I really either either group like the Sparks group or the Wrexham group, I'd be very happy to have own the senators at this point. Yeah, me too. And, you know, you made a mention about the Snoop Weed thing. It's like Snoop Dogg at this point, like, yes, he is synonymous with the green, but he's such a legitimate businessman. Like you look around, he's got restaurants, he's got Mm -hmm. his own line of wine, obviously medical marijuana. He's big into this, but I don't know how. Oh, I don't worry about him doing it. No, no. I worry about team staff doing it, not really telling him about it, hiding some jokes in there, and then it just being kind of embarrassing. Like it's it's oh, not okay. you're, him. You're thinking more on that end, okay? Yeah, no, Snoop Dogg can handle himself. He's a big boy. I know, but I'm just thinking maybe Snoop says like, yeah, maybe let's not lean that heavy into that. Yeah, like we're a hockey team for Christ's sake. <laughs> exactly. So Tim, we let's move away from talking about that. Let's talk about the first round of the NHL playoffs. I gotta say, this has seriously been one of the better first rounds I've seen in a long time because you've got teams finally getting over the hump. You've got a team that finally won their first playoff series. And we have the torch that's been passed from one original six to another original six franchise as they have become the official meme of the NHL. Yeah. Which one do you want to talk about first? Well, I mean... So, all of these series have a great story to them, eh? They really have. They really have. But another big storyline, and again, this is always a problem. Every single year we're talking about it. The refing and just the player safety suspension punishment stuff has just been so inconsistent. Yeah. I actually didn't mind the... Other than a few instances, the on-ice officiating this year was actually pretty good. Like, I want to give credit where credit's due. The officials did their best to keep players safe by calling more. So I want to give, like, things, for the most part, things that were a penalty were called as penalties. There were obviously some exceptions. For sure. I I think for me, I really got to say that George Peros has made some real, like, mind-boggling decisions in these playoffs. Like, think about it. If you go through some of the suspensions, some of the hits that's happened. It's like, how is it that Kale McCarr got a suspension for his hit, but yet Morgan Riley got nothing for hitting Braden point from behind? Or that Michael Bunting got, well, Michael Bunting got three while McCarr only got one. Like, I'll give the Leaf fans that one. That's not fair. Like, they were equally malicious. Well, think, I mean, even in the last couple of nights, I mean, the the Truba hit on Timo Meyer. Here's a good one. What about the Matt Dumba hit on Pavelski? Yeah. No, those should have been suspendable. They should have been. And the fact is that I'm not even a fan of any of these teams. And even I'm like, how is that not a penalty? Or how is that not a suspension? It goes back to what you've always said. It's like at this point, you're, if you do this, you're suspending the outcome, not the intent. Yep. And they didn't even do it. They didn't even suspend the outcome here. And like D- Dumba's a repeat of like the worst one about Dumba is he's a repeat offender. Like just wild stuff. 
It is. Now, of course, we're not going to talk about the Minnesota Wild just yet. But since we are a West Coast podcast, Tim, let's start off on the Western Conference. The number one seed in the Pacific Division, Vegas Golden Knights, versus the second wild card Winnipeg Jets. This is the first playoff series between the two teams since 2018. You and I both have the Vegas Golden Knights in six games. Vegas won this in five. And I have to admit, this is one of the few series that I really watch none of it, to be perfectly honest. And yet, I'm not even surprised that Vegas took this. No. Remember just how much Atlanta, Atlanta, Winnipeg, was limping into this this series. Just not good. They almost got replaced by Calgary at the end there. While Vegas played very committed, very strong hockey. Although, this this series probably had one of the best games of the whole playoffs. In game three, that went to double overtime. It was Vegas dominated the play for about 40 minutes, was leading, I believe, four to one. And then the comeback started. And then overtime was insane. Wait. Are you saying they had their own version of it was 4-1? Vegas ended up winning the game. Okay. But it was just great hockey to watch. Like an absolute banger. But yeah, at the end of the day, Vegas was the much stronger team. Yeah, and I mean, anybody who just looks at these two teams comparatively would have been able to tell you that. I do have a couple of notes here about the Winnipeg Jets. Number one, Jets head coach Rick's bonus. Now, he did ruffle some feathers because he ended up ripping the team in the media after the playoffs. And I know that their captain, Blake Wheeler, especially was taken back and took offense to this. How do you feel that Rick Bonus handled that? Do you think that he should have ripped his team in the media like he did? Uh, never been a, I've never been a big fan of going using the media as kind of the tool to do that. So I didn't like that that much. But it was just kind of unfortunate watching. Like, the the Jets were so dynamic to watch early in the season than just seeing it fall, fall off. Yeah. And you know what? Like, the Winnipeg Jets, they're now entering this new era of entering a rebuild. And one big piece of this rebuild going forward is going to be the future of Connor Hellebuck. And he well, is he's not be, interested. Exactly. He's not. He's going to be a UFA after next season. He doesn't want to stay or stick around. So it's really going to, I really wonder, and I feel so bad for Adam, because I really wonder what the Jets are going to do with Connor Hellebuck. I mean. Well, the Ottawa Senators would be happy. You know what? And Adam and I were talking about this, and I don't want to sound vulgar. I would give my left nut to get him in Ottawa. <laughs> I really would. Connor Hellebuck has always been one of my favorite goalies to watch. He's kind of like to Winnipeg what Carey Price was to Montreal. He single-handedly was a guy who kept that team in it despite the rosters that they put on the ice. Now, I'm not saying that Winnipeg didn't have some good teams in the past. No. And I'm saying that Winnipeg definitely had a better supporting cast in front of them than they did with Carey Price at times in Montreal. But... I put him in that same category and Connor Hellebuck has definitely been, I would easy, easy top five in the NHL. Yep. 
And for me, it's just going to depend what's the cost. How much it would he cost to get him? Because for especially for Ottawa, I mean, when you look at our goaltending situation, Tim, it's if you're Pierre Dorian, do you feel comfortable going into the next season with Sogard and not Marcus Hogberg? Um, oh, well, that's even assuming if Anton Forsberg can Anton play. Forsberg, thank you. I was... I don't know why it's totally blank. Yeah, exactly. Like, do you feel comfortable going in next season? Maybe thinking maybe Forsberg's coming back. I don't. No. You have no idea what I would do to get him in in Ottawa. Yeah. You really do. You really do. <laughs> oh no. But then again, that all depends on. Well, let's see what the Alex DeBrincat contract looks like. Hundred percent. The number two seed in the Pacific Division, Edmonton Oilers versus the number three seed in the Pacific, Los Angeles Kings. This is the second straight playoff series between the two teams. For the productions, I had Edmonton in six. You had Edmonton in five. Edmonton won it in six. And I really enjoyed what I did watch of this series. They were some hard-hitting physical games. The one thing I really don't like, and I, I apologize if I can't recall the game itself, where somebody tried to hit McDavid in the knee and they gave him that Charlie right. voice. Yeah. And then Evander Kane went after Dowdy. It was just like the hatred between these two teams really is becoming a great rivalry in the West. Oh yeah. And the nice thing is, is like Edmonton looks like it'll be continue to be a good team for the next couple of years. And the Kings are on the upswing. That is what we want to see. For sure. And this definitely is some growing pains for the Kings, but they are showing that they are on the right track. And we've talked about this in the past, like when they went into their rebuild, it would have been easy for them to just completely burn it to the ground. Yeah. But they looked around and says, okay, well, we'll still have Dowdy. We still got Kopitar. Let's keep these guys in the fold. Let's see if we can build them around these guys. Again. Yeah. And honestly, kudos to uh, Rob Blake for seeing that a rebuild was necessary, but scorched earth wasn't the way to go. Yeah. Because you have this team that ha- kept a stable identity, kept the good vet, the veterans around to kind of form around the team and just really kind of reformed where they needed to. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was perfectly executed. Well, and I also really like, and I think this is something that there are certain teams out there that could take some notes on. I really like how they've been able to develop their players. You look at some of the players on their roster, like Andre Kempe, and you know, going back there with Tyler with Foley, but even Sean Jersey too. Sean Jersey, but a big guy for me that I'm really, I'm very happy in all honesty to see how they de- let him just develop. Don't push him. Is Quentin Byfield. Well, he's finally healthy. Yeah. And he looks like he's going to be a stud, too. He really is. He really is. Now, a guy who I honestly thought looked like a stud in this, Jonas Corposalo, and I feel so bad for him because, honestly, I thought he played really well until his defense completely left him out to dry. Yeah. Like, the first four, five games of that series... Well, even all six of those games, Corpus Salo, he looked like Ottinger did last year. Like, just playing best hockey of his life. And it was interesting. We were talking about this on the Hockey Biz Discord. And the guy just looked like he was having 
an absolute blast on the ice every night. I kind of wish he got a game seven. Me too. And honestly, that could have swung the momentum for LA. LA at times honestly looked like the better team, but it wasn't meant to be. Because again, it was very obvious that the Oilers were the better team in this. I mean, Leon, McDavid, Kane were their go-to guys. But there really wasn't a ton of weaknesses on that Oilers squad through the Mm -hmm. first round. No, and Corpusalo was great. He really was. And it'd be interesting to see, given his performance in this series, I think LA's going to keep him around. It's just going to matter if he can sustain this. Well, yeah, it's like LA likes him. Yeah. And they might keep, if they can, they might keep Gavrikov too. Yeah, Gavrikov's been a really good player. And for, you know, it's funny, as a non traditional hockey market, LA really is. LA, when you are good, LA's a great city to play in. I mean, you look at the success the Lakers have had over the years, and you see a number of those guys have retired in LA. Like, why not? Yeah, no. If you can afford, afford it, it's. It's one of the best places on earth. Uh, but uh, yeah, and like uh, one of my buddies uh, from LA is a big Kings guy and he was just smiling the whole time. Yeah, I really hope for next season that maybe I'll be able to get to see the Kings play in LA. That'd yeah, cool. no, that would be really cool. The number one seed in the Central Division, Colorado Avalanche, versus the number one wild card, Seattle Kraken. This is the first playoff series between the two teams. For, for predictions, I had the Colorado Avalanche in six games. You had the Colorado Avalanche in five games. And I got to say, Tim, Seattle is truly having a nice little run of success with their pro teams here. Kraken won this game, series in seven. Vit. I have to say, I wasn't expecting the group hour Martin tandem to stand up. No, I was in the same boat. I honestly thought that it was they that they were going to fall apart because you watched how they played all year, and you're like, "Wow, this is." Uh, They're just I, riding percentages, right? Exactly. It's like, is this team going to make the playoffs? Like, I don't know. And uh, they played a really good game one against Dallas too in the second round here. They really did. I mean, well, fuck. I mean, they played because Joe Pavelski had four goals in that series. So Yeah. So. Yeah. So watching the series was like each game where like these really tight checking affairs until like a Colorado player would break out or Seattle would just keep grinding and grinding and grinding until they got to Fon Cruz. And, you know, going back to what I was saying here, Tim, The city of Seattle, like they truly are having a nice little run of success with their pro teams. Now, you may not know this. This is the very first time, not one, not two, but all three pro teams have made the playoffs simultaneously. And think of this, okay? Because back in October, the Mariners made the playoffs for the first time since 2001. A season which they held the record for most wins in the season was 116. They lost in the first round to the Yankees. This October, or this past October, they made the playoffs. They were down 8-1 to to the Blue Jays. Came back to win that game. Now, mind you, they got their hats handed to them by the Houston Astros in the next round. 
fast forward, the Seattle Seahawks. Mm-hmm. As a Seattle, as a Seattle Seahawks fan, I mean, after they traded Russell Wilson back in March, I think a lot of people would have been say that's fair to leave them for dead. Yeah. If this team won five games, I would have been shocked. <laughs> that is until Geno Smith decided that he was him. And he and that team willed themselves to nine wins in a playoff berth. Now, mind you, they lost the 49ers. That's understandable. They were a Super Bowl team. And now you got the Kraken, who made the playoffs for the first time, won their first playoff series against a Stanley Cup champion, despite how garbage their goaltending was. And here's another cool thing about all Seattle's teams, Tim. Yeah. All three of these teams have a player that was nominated for Rookie of the Year. Julio Rodriguez for the Mariners, who won AL Rookie of the Year. Kenneth Walker III was nominated for Offensive Rookie of the Year for the Seahawks. And Matty Benyars. Well, Matty Benyars is going to win it. Like, I don't think there's an... Looking at who uh, they nominated between Stuart Skinner, Benyars, and... Owen Power. Powers. Unless Stuart Skinner stands on his head in the next round, I think Benyars takes it. Yeah, like that would be so cool for the Seahawks or for the Kraken, who truly had that dog in them. Oh, Didn't yeah. A star and they won this series. But I will say I'm not going to fault Colorado for this series because losing your captain and your depth is a killer, especially yeah. Nashuskin when you heard about what's going on with him right now. That's scummy. That is so scummy to hear that. But this series really truly proved that Nathan McKinnon, Miko Ratnan, and Kale McCarr cannot do this by themselves. No. Just unfortunate stuff. That's the case in the NHL right now. Like it it's the team with the most star power in depth. And congrats to the Seattle Kraken. For sure. And, you know, it was very unfortunate that Cogliano got his neck fractured from that hit on Jordan Eberle. Yeah. Very, it was a bad hit. It really, really was. Oh, yeah. So let's talk about the final series in the Western Conference. The number two seed in the Central, Dallas Stars, versus the number three seed in the Central Division, Minnesota Wild. This is the first playoff series between the two teams since 2016. I had the stars in seven. You had the stars in six. You got it right, Tim. Stars in six. Honestly, like this it? was actually a better series than expected. Oh, yeah. Just, again, wall-to-wall action here. Like, it was. Unfor- I mean, the Matt Dumba hit on Pavelski was the big story out of this series, if I'm being honest. Unfortunately, because the rest of the hockey was so good. Yeah. And Philip Gustafson's performance in this, it really makes that Ottawa trade for Cam Talbot look worse. It yeah. really did. Like, he played fantastic in the series. Yeah. But sticks, sorry, wouldas and couldas, right? Exactly. So let's move on to the Eastern Conference. The number one seed with 65 wins in the Atlantic Division, Boston Bruins versus the second wildcard, Florida Panthers. This is the first playoff series between the two teams since 1996. I confidently said the Boston Bruins in five. You also had the Bruins in five. What the serious fuck was that? 
Florida and seven. So this is such a weird series because like Boston comes out swinging and they take a dominant 3-1 series lead. And then it was 4-1. Yeah. I mean, what the, the Bruins have now surpassed the 2007 Patriots as the biggest joke in Boston sports history. Yeah, like this has to be the biggest collapse we've seen in the NHL. Yeah, which really just, it, I, I don't even know how. Like the Bruins top guys showed up. The like, only thing that really swung this series for Florida was Boston not turning to Jeremy Swimmon when Omar got hurt. Yeah, but it's like, even then it's just like, like Boston outplayed Florida in every game and then just, yeah, they got let down. Really did. And talking about the Florida Panthers, I mean, originally they rolled with a lion before turning to a number one cop. While Sergei Bobrovsky did get shelled in game four, he turned the clock back about 10 years. Yeah. It's incredible that they finally got what $10 million was paying for. And like, that's kind of the frustrating thing is like, yeah, had they put Swayman in earlier and like Boston probably would have won this series handily. And we're not talking about this. No. And we wouldn't have seen the career of Patrice Bergeron close out like this because honestly, how that series closed out is so shameful for a guy who truly made the NHL a better league and the Bruins a better team, not only on the ice, but off the ice. It's hard to believe like this is really the end. Yeah. It, yeah. And the Bruins also have quite a bit of a cap mess. So I'll be interested to see what they actually do next year. For sure. I do want to make one final comment and give a shout out to our bod, John Hill, that Solar Bears fan. The TikTok he made after game seven, that OT win. Oh my God. Just that made me so happy to see that. Just how happy he was in that. It was just, <laughs> oh, that's the best. Yeah, that is. And you know what? Let's talk about another positive. Matthew Kachuk. That guy had himself a series. He truly did. And you know what's funny, Tim? I was actually going to bring this up in our second round predictions. Because Matthew Kachuk, he really turned it overnight from a big name player to a legit superstar. Well, he willed them into the playoffs. And then he was the star multiple games, including, I believe, a playoff hat trick in game three. Just absolute crazy stuff that Matthew Kachuk was doing. Well, I'll tell you, Tim, it won't be any crazier than this next playoff series we're going to talk about. The number two seed in the Atlantic, Toronto Maple Leafs. This is the number three seed in the Atlantic, Tampa Bay Lightning. This is the second straight playoff series between the two teams. I had Tampa Bay in seven. Toronto in seven for yourself. Hell froze over, Tim. Toronto won in this game, series in six. You just had to have the passion, Tay. Toronto actually did it. And I will hand it to them. You know what? The fight that they showed in this series is what their spans have wanted and have deserved. 
for this team to finally get over that hump. Well, there's so many, like Tampa Bay Lightning keep a three goal lead challenge in the third period. Difficulty impossible. Because like most of those games that Toronto won, Tampa was leading even late in the third. But Toronto rallied each time and took the W. Yeah. And, you know, this is a series that, and here I thought Tampa Bay was out of gas last season. I don't know what the hell that was this year. And now, in fairness. But what's so weird is Tampa outplayed Toronto in most of the games. That's the weird thing. It was Vasilevsky that let the lightning down. And, like, this is such a weird thing. So I'm going to go back to the hockey bud, the hockey biz model. Game one, Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay 7, Toronto 3. Tampa Bay expected goals 4, Toronto expected goals 3. Game two, Toronto 4, Tampa 3, overtime. Tampa, 4.5 expected goals, Toronto 3. Game three, Toronto 3 expected goals, Tampa 4. Toronto 5, Tampa 4, overtime. Game five, Tampa 4, Toronto 2. Toronto 3, 3.8. Tampa 3.7. And the final game, sorry, the final game here, which was a 2-1 Toronto victory in OT. We have Tampa with three expected goals, Toronto with two. So, yeah, Tampa controlled the play. But both of those teams, admittedly, watching that hockey was kind of painful. I do have to ask the question, though. Just sludgy. Like I said, I do got to ask the question, though, Tim, because they finally lost to Toronto, is this finally the end of that dynasty? Because if you look at Tampa Bay, they're uh, locking some bad contracts. They're going forward. Yeah, I think it might be the end. We'll see what it looks like next year. But uh, yeah, Alex Kalorn, UFA. Colton Ross, RFA. Corey Perry probably doesn't come back. Tanner Genoa, RFA. Ian Cole, RFA, but Ian Cole probably retires. Eric Chernak. Chernak getting injured was also pretty big. Yeah, and who would have thought that a Michael Bunting suspension actually came to the benefit of the team? Yeah, no kidding. Because we got to see Michael Knees really step up. Yeah. The number one seed, the Metro Division, Carolina Hurricanes versus the number one Wildcard team, New York Islanders. This is the first playoff series between the two teams since 2019. And you and I both had the Carolina Hurricanes in six games. This was such a Carolina series. It really was. Like, Carolina dominates the play, can't can't score, doesn't matter, win anyway. Like, is that not the Carolina Hurricanes in a nutshell? Yeah, I mean, that Game 6 OT series winner is such a horrible way to see your team end their season. It's such a garbage goal. It so is. And then, and it's funny, <laughs> this is the only series in the East I can't really comment because I, I watch none of it. Well, it's because, like, the Islanders had no plays being there. And, and you just get Carolina doing Carolina things for 60 to 80 minutes in a game. Like, just so the funniest hockey I've ever watched. Like, these games were ridiculous. 
And now we're going to move along from this and talk about the final series in the Eastern Conference. The number two seed in the Metro, New Jersey Devils, versus the number three seed in the Metro, New York Rangers. The first playoff series between the two teams since 2012. I had the Rangers in seven. You had the Devils in six. New Jersey won this series in seven. Yeah, the Devils looked like they looked kind of iffy in game one and two, eh? They really did. And you know what? I mean, like I said before this playoff started, this is a series that could have gone either way. The Rangers really did take it to the Devils in the first two. And then Jersey flipped the script and clawed their way into a 3-2 series lead. And then they just clobbered the Rangers in game seven. They really did. I mean, that was one of the most decisive victories I've seen in a while. And it's only because it was just Shishterkin was the only guy that showed up. That was, I might not have said, like, I kind of said that in the series preview, but I remember watching the Rangers in their playoff run last year. And especially that Pittsburgh series last year where Pittsburgh was running roughshod over the Rangers and Chester can just drag them through. And that wasn't going to happen with this year's incarnation of the devils. They are so fast, so talented. There were definitely a few, there were a few games, especially game five, game six, where New York really did show up. And those were some incredible games, but then, New Jersey's talent really stepped up too, especially with that overtime hero goal by Dougie Hamilton, some of the game opening goals by uh, Jack Hughes. Yep. Those were, those were big. Also, those were really big. Akiri, Akiri Schmidt. Yeah. Like, I didn't see that coming. No, but you know what? I got to give props to the Devils. This is their first, their first playoff series win since 2012. Jerry, I wonder who they beat then to go to the Stanka Finals. Mm-hmm. But with New Jersey know. winning the playoff series, the Buffalo Sabres now have the longest playoff series drought. 2007, the last time they won a playoff series. That's kind of wild. It is. But you know what's also really wild, Tim? The Jacob Truba hit on Team Meyer. I've seen a lot of commentary saying that that hit was legal fine. That looked high and late to me. Yeah, that's a hit. And I was talking about this with somebody with work the other day. I was like, you know, that's a hit that was legal 20 years ago. But as a def- I get it. As a defenseman, a guy cuts through the middle. You got to make that hit. Yeah, There's but no not like that. Bus, but I think it's only, but Timo Meyer did have his head down a bit. I don't think Truba needed to hit him that high, but I also think he could have let up a bit. Yeah, I mean, only the only reason I bring this up is because a Scott Stevens did it all the time during his career, but also like a few minutes prior to this in that game, Shisterkin came out to play the puck, and I can't recall who it was. I think it was Hughes or Powell or whatever. He accidentally tripped him up, so that right. was definitely an answer. Yeah, and but that's kind of the unfortunate thing is. When you kind of let things go even a little bit, you get shit like that. Yeah. So it's like, I think it would have been nice to see Truba get suspended there. Even for just like one game next season. Mm -hmm. Because like that hit is, it was high and it was dangerous. It truly was. And it's funny, the New York Rangers, I mean, they're now in a position of where do they go from here? 
if you really think about it, the prospect pool is empty. They're young stars like your Capo Cacos, especially Alexei Lafreniere, who was laid a giant goose egg in that series. They're all underdeveloped. And yet, how exactly do you play them in the top six now? Because you've got the Panarins, you've got the Criders, you've got the guys there. What do you do with if you're the New York Rangers going forward? Honestly, if I'm the Rangers, I run it back to the best of your ability. Like, the team's good. And uh, their cap situation is quite healthy. The only thing that might be a little... You, they have $11 million. The only big contract negotiations they're going to have are Lafreniere and uh, Keandre Miller. They're in a great place. They might even be able to bring back Tarasenko. Yeah. Or, or, but here's another thing. Do you bring back uh, Patrick Kane? Nah, he's cooked. Like, straight up, guy's cooked. Yeah. I would be surprised if Kane plays next season. And even if they do bring back Patrick Kane, I wouldn't be surprised if he's playing for league minimum. Really? You don't think a team would uh, throw at least some decent money at him? I don't think so. The guy can't create his own scoring chances anymore, which was half of the value of Patrick Kane. Like the last few years, I think Alex DeBrinkit was popping up Kane. Fair enough. Well, Tim, that wraps up the first round of the 2023 Stanley Cup playoffs. Now we're going to take a really quick break here in the Third Plug Sensecast, and we will return to give our predictions on the second round. Coming right back. Hi, everyone. This is Ron Tugnut. You're listening to Third Line Plug Sensecast. Okay, we are back. So, Tim, it's time to give our predictions on the second round of the 2023 NHL playoffs. Starting off in the Western Conference, the number two seed in the Central, Dallas Stars versus the first wild card, Seattle Kraken. First playoff series against each other. And you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna continue staying on the Kraken train. I'm gonna go Kraken in seven. You know what? I'm gonna go Dallas in seven because this is gonna be a fun, hard, tight series with Ottinger being kind of the wild card, but with Pavelski back and Pavelski motivated, he had four freaking goals in game one. He went full Austin Matthews, scores four goals, the team still loses five. Yeah, but uh, this is going to be a hard, good series. It's going to seven. I think I like Dallas a little better, but if Vegas wins and if Seattle wins, that'd be so cool to have the two expansion teams beat in the conference finals. It really I'd be there for that. Oh my God, you have no idea. And honestly, Seattle's coming into this series with absolutely zero pressure against them. Yep. They've exceeded any and all expectations they have on them. Dallas, they're coming into this playoff series a little bit more healthy, like you mentioned with Joe Pavelski. I do think is going to have his hands full with the Kraken because they're... They come in waves. They're sneaky good offensively. They're, they're a team that don't get a lot of credit. That's because they're just so defensive in their own end. Yeah. No, that's fair. That's fair. And I really do like, I really do like the Kraken. Like watching them play playoff hockey against the Colorado was really, that was incredible. It was a clinic. It really was. And uh, credit to Dave Hackstall for getting that team running the way it is. But I ha- I really do like the way that uh, Dallas plays. Yeah, they're perfectly built for the playoffs. 
oh, they're perfectly built and they're very well coached. The number one seed in the Pacific Division, Vegas Golden Knights versus the second seed in the Pacific, Edmonton Oilers. Again, the first playoff series between the two teams. I'm going to go Vegas in seven. Honestly, I, I think I agree. Vegas is finally healthy. And let's be real. This, ser- this series is about a decade in the making. Because it is finally, finally, McDavid versus Eichel. Finally. Yep. In the way that last year's conference finals, it was years in the making of McDavid versus McKinnon. The big story, like you said, McDavid versus Eichel. It's going to be finally settled once and for all. Yeah. And like these games, they're going to be good. They're going to be very good, very fast. I really, really like I like Vegas though. Like I just I think I like the lineup of Mark Stone, Eichel, Barbashev, Stevenson. Maybe a little bit, but with uh Peter Angelo and Theodore, a bit better than I like Dry McDavid Hyman backed up by Eckholm and Bouchard. Yeah. And I think both that's where I'm gonna be nursing their captains with injuries, both McDavid and Mark Stone. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. And like I said, I'm going to give Vegas the nod just because, again, like you just mentioned, they're deeper than Edmonton. Stuart Skinner is going to be the guy for me at Edmonton who's going to need to bring his A game because Vegas is loaded with talent. But then again, Brassois is such a wild card. Yeah. Like, this is like, it's also kind of a bit funny that this playoffs has been the Brassois revenge tour. Because Brassois has played backup for both of these teams so far. And I believe if Dallas beats Seattle, I think Brassois might have played for Dallas as well. Yeah, it's it truly is insane. And I do want to make one comment here, Tim, is that Laurent Bouchant, the goalie for the Vegas Golden Knights, former Couchman Valley Capital. Nice. That's a really cool Duncan connection. Yeah, spent most of the year with the Gatron Valley Capitals. 21 games. He had a 901 save percentage. Went 10 and 8. That's so cool. So Laura Bossois lived in the Valley at some point. Yes, he did. Sorry, no. Uh Boisson never played for uh, Dallas, but he did he previously played Edmonton and Winnipeg. So if he takes down both his former teams, he's gotta feel good about that, man. You gotta, man. You gotta. Let's talk about the Eastern Conference. The number two seed in the Atlantic, Toronto Maple Leafs versus the second wild card, Florida Panthers. This is the first playoff series between the two teams. Toronto has no idea what they're going to go up against in this series. I'm going to go Florida in six. I'm going to say Florida in seven, with the wild card being goaltending. Because I think the the forward game is going to be... It's going to be hell. It's going to be fast. It's going to be frantic. You're going to have... Like, just listen to the forwards on both sides. This, this is insanity. You've got Matthews, Nylander, Tavares, O'Reilly, Willie Nylander. And on the other side, you have Duclair, you have Barkov, you have Verhage, you have Matthew Kachuk. And you have Eric Stahl, who's had a bit of a resurgent season. And you've got Ekholm, 
back home good ass Forsling Montour versus Toronto's that Giordano Brody Riley. Yeah, that's like that's as close to a wash as you're gonna get, but it's gonna be really fun to watch. The difference is Ilya Samsonov versus Bobrovsky, who's turned the clock back ten years. Yeah, that's the difference. You know what's funny? We we're talking about uh, Bushwa, the kid for Vegas. Is Carter Verhage, former Toronto Maple Leaf prospect, at one time he, he was a thrown in the Michael Grabner trade. He comes back and he's playing big time for the Florida Panthers. Yeah, and uh, Toronto had a two nothing lead. Uh, it, and Florida has gone and scored three unanswered. So this is going to like you're right. Toronto Toronto has no idea what they're they're up against, but I think that this is going to be a tight, hard series. Yeah. And like I said, you know why I'm th- you know why I'm mentioning this, Tim? Is because not only because Florida is riding a huge wave of confidence beating the 65 win Boston Bruins. Would you like do you remember who won the President's Trophy last year with 58 wins? The Florida Panthers. The Florida Panthers. That must be that if you look at that roster, if you take away Huberdo. Mackenzie Weger, Giroux, like a handful of guys. That's still the same team. That's what I said at the beginning of the season. And what I, I was looking at these playoffs, I was like, you know what? We could be surprised by them because like, yeah, it's the same team that just somehow struggled through the through the regular season. So like this, but again, the Leaf, we don't know what the Leafs are capable of here either. No. But I think given how much they struggled, like their skaters struggled against Tampa Bay. Remember, Tampa did outplay them all of those games except for one. Maybe Florida takes this one. Um, Like, here's the thing. I think that jobs are probably safe this year because Toronto finally won the series. Yeah. What if Toronto gets swept? Oh, I don't even want to touch that one, Tim. That would just be so over the top. I, you know what, though? If you're a Leafs fan, I want to post the question, Tim. If you're a Leafs fan, are you content? Say Toronto gets swept. Are you content with that this run? No. Because was, make, was winning a playoff series enough? I don't think so. Rem- remember how good these Leaf teams have been year after year in the regular season. I think the fans think that they beat a buck. Like the reason they weren't going deep every year was because they kept running into eventual winners with the exception of Columbus. Yeah. Like, let's look at the who's left in the East, Florida, New Jersey, Carolina. And a lot of models think that the Leafs are the best team out of the four. I think that now that they've made it over that hurdle, there are expectations. And I think if it's like a tight, hard series with Florida that they lose, I think the fans would accept that. Mm-hmm. But if they got swept or dealt with in five, there will be hell to pay. I think Dubas keeps his job. I think O'Keefe keeps his job. But there will be a social media meltdown for sure. And Is that a fair assessment? That's fair. And we'll be here to see it, Tim. But, again, I mean, the, the notes I have on the series, 
has already been covered. Like Matthew Dechuk and Bobrovsky are going to be keys on this series. The Leafs' big guns have got to bring their A game against Florida because, like I said, this is this pretty much the same team that won 58 games last year. Yeah. And, like, the thing is, though, is, like, the Leafs did, like, their big guns did show up. Like, Riley with two assists, knees, gets his first goal off Matthews, and then Bunting finally put something in. So, like, you're getting your scoring where you need it to. Yep. But, like, yeah, Florida continues to be high octane, or more accurately, Samsonov, Samsonov continues to play, like, crap. Toronto could be in a problem because like, does Matt Murray come back? Oh man. I don't even want to imagine that. So we're going to turn our attention to the final playoff series of the second round. The number one seed in the Metro Carolina hurricanes versus the second seed in the Metro New Jersey devils. This is the first playoff series between the two teams since 2009. And I'm going to say I got the devils in six. I've got Canes and seven. seven. I've got Canes and seven. Canes and seven? Okay. Because think about the matchup again. You've got the Carolina Hurricanes where they do one thing and one thing only. They control the pace of the game. It's going to be very, very, like, and Rob Brindamore coaches them to be incredibly aggressive, taking away time and space everywhere. And those guys play like a well-oiled machine. New Jersey isn't going to find the opportunities that they found against New York. I think for me, I was tempted to go with Carolina too, but I, how many times have I drank the Kool-Aid on the Hurricanes and they've come up short? I will continue to drink Kato-Aid. Because... Also, the only, one another reason why I'm not going to be picking Carolina in this series is because I don't know if you knew this, Tim, the Carolina Hurricanes goal song. No, there was a. It was from PD Pablo, called "Raise Up," but before that, they had a little flare. You know, they had the goal horn. The flare was Rick Flair, the Nature Boy, going. It's a Carolina Hurricanes goal. Whoa! They got rid of that because there was controversy that came out a year, like maybe a year or two ago, from the show Dark Side of the Ring, where apparently he sexually harassed a flight attendant. Although, despite the fact he's vigorously denied it over the years. Right. So, so the Hurricanes cut it. Oh, now, that's I'm a shame. That's the main reason. But, uh, but I don't uh, know. It's... Again, I think it's because of the team on the ice. I've, I've drank the Kool-Aid. Like Toronto in the years. Yeah. But it's like, I think both, like, both these teams are good. It's going to be probably the best technical playoff hockey you're going to watch. Yeah, and Jersey is fully healthy. Like Timo Meyer, thankfully, was not hurt on that, on the hit from Truba. So, yeah, and let's hope that Schmid has a back, some bounce back in him, or it could be a fast series. Now, I do want to make one final comment here before we go off into the close for another episode. Tim, is that we received word yesterday that a gentleman by the name of Peter Good passed away. Now, you might not know who Peter Good is by name, but you would recognize his note because he was the designer of a logo for a hockey team that was used from 1972 to 1997. The logo of the Hartford Whalers. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully the Canes do something nice to memorialize him. Maybe win a Stanley Cup, who knows? 
That'd be cool. So, Tim, do you have any more comments on these series before we head off into the close for another episode? No, uh, I'm looking forward to some more excellent playoff hockey. Me too, Tim. Me too. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug, Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it because, believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you. You can find the show on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play, as well as on Instagram and Twitter at Third Line Plug. You can find me on both at Great White Gibster. You can find Tim on Twitter at M901. Honey Badger. So just a quick disclaimer, Tim, for our next episode, our second round recap. I believe that you will be on your honeymoon for that. More than likely, yeah. We are going to Okinawa, Kobe, Osaka, Kyoto, Nara, and Tokyo. Yeah. So if we don't get a chance to chat with you on the show, we hope that you and Chelsea have a great honeymoon and we'll see you in the third round episode. Yeah, but who's going to be the co-host? Oh, see, that's up to me to decide. And who do I get to make really awkward the next time they're on the show? Do I have to bring Matt Bosty in? He already ruined my ass groove in my hosting chair. <laughs> oh, I thought we were going with the... Hey, Joseph, how's the seat? Is it warm? <laughs> <laughs> I totally forgot about that. <laughs> Poor guy. Uh, fuck, I'm surprised anybody ever comes back, Tim. That's because they all have fun. It's true, Tim. It's true. Hey, Kelly and Bosty liked our photo. It is true. It is true, Tim. Until next time, guys. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And this has been Tim Jensen. Ghost. Woo!